A couple of weeks ago, I, I, I talked about a supernatural Christmas. And we talked a little bit about the supernatural. And this morning, you know, God just wouldn't let that word go in my spirit. And, and so this morning, I, I want to talk to you a few minutes and just share some, some encouragement because that's what I want this to be, is encouragement. Okay, please, please don't allow the enemy to condemn you with this because that's not what that is. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. I don't care what preacher tries to condemn, uh, what teacher tries to condemn, the enemy tries to condemn. There's no condemnation. Okay? No one can condemn you. That makes sense. There's no longer any punishment for our sins. Jesus has already borne the punishment. Okay? And so this morning, I, w- I want to encourage you because I believe 2014 is going to be uh, a different kind of year than 2013. <laughs> okay? <laughs> I don't know about you, 2013 is pretty tough for me. And I'm, I'm anxious for 2014 to get here because I'm not looking for more of the same. That makes sense, all right? I'm looking for something different. And over the years, in the last, I guess, three years, God hasn't given me a specific word. But for about seven years before that, God would give me a, a word for the year. And it was kind of a word that kind of set the tone for my whole year. And it was always just one word. Well, he's given me one this year as I was studying this scripture and, 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 and just listening to him and trying to figure out where he wanted me to go and, and all those kind of things. He, he gave me the word expression. This is going to be a year of expression. Okay? And one of the desires of my heart is to be a part of a church that walks in the supernatural. Now, before you shut me off or start jumping up and down, please listen. Okay, what I mean by supernatural is so a church that walks in faith. Okay, that can mean a lot of different things, and I'm going to explain what I mean by it. But but unless you walk in faith, you will never walk in the supernatural. Okay, God is a supernatural God. That means that God is not bound by the laws of nature. Now, if you're a believer this morning, we're His sons and daughters. And because our Father is supernatural, He's called us to walk in the supernatural. We're not to be bound all the time on the laws of nature. We're not to be, we're not governed. Now, none of us are going to float up in the air, okay? Please listen to me. Don't go off into la-la land or, you know, some word like that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking, and I'll say this, you know, later on again. I'm not talking about jumping off a cliff and expecting God to let you fly. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? That's That's not what the supernatural is about in Scripture. It's not about what we see on the movie screens. Supernatural is a, is a faith-filled life. And the definition that most of us carry about what having faith is and what the Bible talks about faith being are two different things. And so we, we just want to look a little bit to, this morning at, at what living a supernatural life is. And, and really, it's an encouragement to live a supernatural life. And, and supernatural is, is supposed to be the natural lifestyle of a Christian. We're supposed to live supernaturally. We have the Spirit of God living within us. 
the same Spirit of God who came over Mary. And the incarnation took place. The same Spirit of God who, who, who stepped into that tomb and the lifeless body of Jesus was lying there and raised Him from the dead. The, same, the Scripture says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead resides in us. Folks, in my book, that's supernatural. Okay? That's not strange. That's just supernatural. That's who God has called us to be. And if you read... The scriptures, you see the supernatural walked out. Sometimes it's miraculous. And other times, it looks like perseverance. It looks like endurance. It it, it has different... Sometimes it's gentleness and kindness. It has different faces. But folks, it's supernatural. It's not natural. When you put people in an arena with thousands of thousands of people screaming for their deaths and they worship when they've been set on fire and when they've had the lions and the animals turned loose on them and they worship, folks, that's supernatural. That's not natural. Amen? That, the, the laws of nature say, I run, I fight, I do what I can. But they didn't run, they didn't fight. They just sang, they worshiped. Now, I've got to get on with my message. I'm never going to get there. A basic definition for supernatural is anything that doesn't conform to the natural or physical laws. Now, most people have to have everything conform to, to physical laws. In other words, if I can't test this, if I can't taste it, if I can't see it, therefore it doesn't exist. But folks, that's not what living a life of faith is is the world runs according to a system of laws that God put into place they're natural laws God created them he created uh, uh, gravity so that we wouldn't float off this planet he created uh, morning and, and evening so that there would be daylight and dark. And so he created the, the, the tides and, and all of that stuff because it works to keep this system working. Those natural laws, what most of us don't realize is, is those laws were implemented by God so that it would bring us to God, so that we would recognize, I don't mean to in the sense that He would be our Savior, but it would help us to recognize that God is God. See, creation declares that there is a God. And God put all those systems into place so there would be no one with any excuse. No one could say, there's no God. This just happened on its own. He put those laws, those natural laws into existence to reveal that God is God, that He is who He says He is, that He's alive and well. You see, the natural laws declare there is a supernatural God. Romans says that. In Romans chapter 1, now we usually use this, this passage of Scripture to beat up people with, but, but this is not a Scripture that, was, that Paul used to beat anybody up with. This is a Scripture that he used just to declare truth. He said, I want you guys to understand this. He says in, in Romans chapter 1, verse 19, because that which is known about God is evident within them. He's talking about those people that, that, that don't profess Christ. 
He says, they know there's a God. It's, it's inside of them. For God, he explains it. For God made it evident to them. And then he says it. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and his divine nature, that which is supernatural, that's what he's talking about. They've clearly been seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. You see, the natural laws were designed to be billboards for a supernatural God. They're not, trees are not just growing out there for us to enjoy. That tree grows out there to tell me there's a God. The water that runs through the streams, pure and clear, and you're dying of thirst, that, that water is to tell me there is a God, and He's provided for you. And on and on and on I could go with that. But sadly, due to, to, the, to the fall of, of humanity, to the power of sin, and, and, and sin's effect on our senses, most people, unsaved and saved, doubt or even deny the supernatural. Most Christians doubt it if we just get right down to it. I mean, just, I'm going to call it like it is. Mm, that's, you know, that doesn't happen anymore. I've heard that. Now, we talk about it, but there's little or no hope or confidence that what God has said will happen will happen. That's, that's pretty much the world we live in. We talk about it. We can say we believe God does those things if He wants to. I've heard, or if it's His will. I've heard those two lines tacked on. Whenever I hear that, I know that person doesn't really believe God will do it. If is a questionable word, okay? If God has said He will do it, if He's given a promise, He will do it, okay? We, we, we don't expect God to intervene most of the time. Instead, our tendency is to, is to rely on and put our confidence really in, 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 in natural remedies. And by that I mean, you know what? If I just persevere, this storm will pass. If I take the medicine, this sickness will pass. If I work really, really hard... I can get out of this. If I go see a counselor, that person will help me get over this and I can find some healing. Uh, if I just use my willpower, I just dig my feet in, I can doggedly overcome whatever it is that's coming against me. And so what happens is we become so preoccupied, or we have become so preoccupied with the, with the laws of, of natural remedy that instead of... The natural law is drawing us to God. They've driven us away from God. Y'all see where I'm going? Or see where I'm at? Maybe I'm not where I'm at. I'm where I'm going right there, okay? We've allowed what's supposed to take place to take place instead of trusting God for His promises, for believing Him. And folks, that's, in essence, what's happened is most of us are trying to live a supernatural lifestyle because we're believers through natural means. And what's happened is most of us are frustrated or depressed or angry 
Or we just thrown the towel in and said, hey, God doesn't act like that. He doesn't do these things anymore. We've believed that lie. And folks, I could go on and on and on with that. But God has called us to live supernaturally. We're supposed to mirror the image and the likeness of our Heavenly Father. He's put His Spirit in us, which is the power source. And folks, there's nothing wrong with the power source. The problem is most of us are not plugged in to the power source. Okay? We're not plugged in. And the essential element that I think is missing is what the Bible calls faith. 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 Oh, I've got faith. Listen, this morning I'm not talking, I'm not questioning at all your salvation or my salvation. Okay? If you're saved this morning, God gave you the faith to trust Him. Okay? And He saved you. And you're saved. But when we, we, that's just the first step. That's the front door to God's house. He's got a big house that He wants us to explore. But I have to exercise the faith that He has given me to step into the house and get off the porch. See, there's a big crowd, there's a glut. That's what I, that's the way I say it. There's a glut of people on the front porch. They're headed to heaven. They're waiting on the bus. But God says, hey, my house is open. Come on in. Open the gifts. Y'all open gifts? We all open gifts. See, God has given us a gift that we have to open with faith. And the more we open, the more we find. The problem is most of us, the only gift we've opened is the gift of salvation. And we really hadn't opened it. We've just held it in our hands because if we opened it, it would take us into God's house. It would take us deeper into God. God has desired from the beginning to form a people of faith who live more in the unseen than in the seen. Now, I'm not talking about, okay? That's not what I'm talking about, so don't, don't get lost on me. What I mean by that is, from the beginning, God has given promises, Okay? And though those promises may not have come true, God has called us to live life as though they have, as though we already have them in our fingers. You see, we want to we see and believe. And God says, believe and see. The reason we don't experience those promises is because we have not believed those promises. We've not exercised our faith. The unseen world, whether you believe this or not, is just as tangible and real as the world we live in. Yeah, but I can't touch it. I can't, I can't see it. Well, the reason we can't touch it and we can't see it is because we don't believe it's there. You say, well, I do believe it. I believe what Scripture says. You don't believe it or you would step into it. Okay, that, and you say, Nelson, that's hard. No, that's what the Bible says. Those who believe it, walk in it. And those who don't, talk about it. And that's the church of the 21st century. Talk, 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 little walk. And so this morning, I want to encourage you to, to not just talk about it, folks, but to see it with your spirit. Because if you can see it with your spirit, 
you will see it with your eyes. God, I want you to think about it. Let me give you an illustration. and Let's think about this person for a minute. God called Abraham to be the father of a nation. Okay, Abraham was not 18, 19, 20 years old in the prime of his life when, you know, all he had to do was get close to Sarah and they'd have children. Okay, y'all know what I'm talking about. Sarah was not 16, 17, 18 years old, 21, 22, when, when God called them. God called them when they were older. He called them to Himself. And he, 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 he called them because He wanted to give them faith to believe the promises that He was going to pour out on them. God didn't use the laws of nature. If God had used the laws of nature, He would have called Abraham when he was about 17 or 18. Amen? I mean, he'd been in his prime. He would have called Sarah when she was, you know, 17, 18 years old. They were in the prime of life. But God didn't use natural law. He did it supernaturally. You know why? So that Abraham and Sarah would have to place their means in the supernatural, not in ordinary means. So that they would have to trust God for more than they could understand. More than they could comprehend. More than they could, in a sense, believe. Something they had never seen. Folks, Sarah was too old. Scripture is very, very clear that she was past that place in her life. That the, that the, 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 the natural laws that, that governed having children had passed in her life. And Abraham was older than she was. And this is what Paul says in Romans chapter 4. He says, as it is written... This is the promise God gave Abraham. A father of many nations, have I made you. Made is past tense. I have made you this. Well, God, I don't even have a son. I don't have a son. It says, as it is written, a father of many nations, have I made you. In the sight of him who, whom he believed. In other words, Abraham believed in God. Even God, who gives life, listen to this, to the dead to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist literally calls into th- to existence that which does not exist in hope against hope in other words Abraham y- y'all know the story of Abraham he hoped against hope God what about my servant Eliezer uh, God what about this plan here that Sarah's concocted uh, with her handmaid Hagar and, and, and a child was born out of what about that nope that's not the plan in hope against hope. In other words, he hoped against hope. He, he knew his body was dead. He knew Sarah's body was dead. And yet, Scripture says he hoped. And here's what it says. He believed in order that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which had been spoken, so your descendants shall be. And without being weak in his faith, he contemplated his own body. I mean, he, he, he assessed it. Hey, you know what, God? I can't do this. It's not going to happen through me. Folks, that's not unbelief. That's reality. What you're not hearing me say up here is, I just speak this, speak this, speak this. Look, if you're sick, you're sick. And you can deny you're sick till the cows come in, but you're still sick. 
Okay? If you've got a tumor, you have a tumor. That's what, I mean, that's just reality. Abraham said, God, I can't produce children, but you can. See, it's okay to say, you know what, I've got a tumor, God. I can't get rid of it, but you can. God, I've got, I've got a financial problem that I can't overcome, but you can. God, I can't find a job. There's nowhere to look. I've looked everywhere. I've beat every bush. They're not hiring people that have my skills. Or, God, I'm in an age where they're hiring younger. No, you can't, but God can. God, I can't do anything to help my parent. No, God, but you can. You see, there's a difference between being realistic and unrealistic. I'm not talking about if you don't say it, it won't happen to you. That's garbage. I'm, I'm being sweet, but that's garbage. If it is, it is. But I put my faith in the promises that God has given us. Okay? I trust God. God, I'm sick. But the Bible says you are Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Your word says that by your stripes I am healed. So God, I choose to believe that though I am sick, I am healed. I am being healed, I will be healed. Okay, there's there's a difference between saying, I'm not sick, I'm not sick, I'm not sick, okay? Y'all some of you are laughing, but folks, that's some of the garbage that's taught. Now, I gotta get back on my sermon that I went off course, okay? In fact, I I left the verse I was reading. Okay. He, he, he realized he contemplated his own body, which was now as good as dead. That's just a biblical, that's the Holy Spirit's assessment right there. Abraham, your body is as good as dead. There will be no life produced from your body in its present tense, I mean its present shape, since he was about 100 years old. And then it's, it, it adds an exclamation point here, and it says, In the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet with respect, listen to this, with respect to the promise of God, Abraham did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully assured that what God had promised, God was able to perform. See, Abraham believed the promise of God. And by doing so, he became a supernatural participant with God. Abraham was willing to walk in an unseen realm, in a different place than everybody around him. Can you imagine what their neighbors and their servants must have thought when they talked about God's promised that next year by this time we're going to have a son, me and Sarah? Can you can you imagine? I mean, I know the ser- what the servants were doing. <laughs> I know what the neighbors were doing. That's what people do. And yet, it says that Abraham was w- willing to walk in the realm of the unseen, a realm of limitless possibilities rather than a realm, the tangible realm where the impossibilities limit us. See, most of us have decided we're going to walk in this realm. When God has called us to a different realm, a different place to walk. You know, God set the natural laws aside. And he touched that couple. And Abraham is called the father of the faithful because he believed the promise of God. 
The difference with Abraham and most Christians is he didn't waver in unbelief. And we do. Most Christians are unbelieving believers. Okay? I'm not talking about salvation. Okay? Just lay that aside. That one's in your pocket. You've got a, you've got a ticket. Okay? It's fine. Nobody's going to take your ticket away from you. But we live our life in unbelief. Although we are believers in Jesus Christ. We don't believe what God has said. We don't believe His promises. You say, yes, I do. No, you don't. Because you're not walking them out. I'm not walking them out. I'm not preaching to you or at you. I'm, 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 I'm receiving the same message, okay? I've had to eat it all week long. I've got to give it to somebody else today, okay? I've, I've done all I can with it. Folks, most Christians, well, all Christians are saved by the grace of God, but most Christians don't buy into the supernatural job description that's attached to it. Salvation is it. If you got salvation, you're set. Well, what happens if you get saved at eight years old? What do you do for the next 60 or 70 years? If you get saved when you're 81 years old and you live to be 85, what do you do with those next four years? See, we're supposed to walk out the life of Jesus on this planet. We're supposed to do the things that he, that he said we could do and even greater things. The things He did. I'm not even going there this morning. I'm, I'm staying away from there. But, but the reality of it is, is, is that the, that word waver is where most of us are. That word waver means to have a divided mind. It means to have a separated mind. It's, it's like, uh, in, in, a, in a comical way, you've got one angel on this shoulder and one angel on this shoulder. Yes, you can. No, you can't. Yes, you can. No, you can't. And we're just schizophrenic. We live our lives schizophrenic. Yes, I can. No, I can't. Yes, I can. No, I can't. And you know what we do when we say, yes, I can. No, I can't. We don't do anything. That's where most of the church is. Yes, I can. No, you can't. Yes, we can. Y'all don't believe that, though. Folks, we say we believe God. And we say that He can do what He promises that He can do. And that He is who He says He is. But yet we are terrified to step out past our comfort zone. We're terrified to step out in a place we've never been and prove it. See, faith proves the promises of God. Don't tell me about your faith unless you are walking out the promises of God. Unless you are out there in the unseen, in the uncomfortable. Where it's, where it's briary. You ever been in a briar patch? Excuse me, briar. Briar patch, okay. You ever been in a briar patch? That's where life is supposed to live, be lived supernaturally. Folks, when it comes to believing God will do what He says He'll do and He's who we are, man, we'll all crowd up to the edge of the cliff, but wild horses couldn't pull us off that cliff if God said to step out. 
We're all right there, but none of us are actually stepping out. And here's, here's, we're not shy about talking about it. We're shy about demonstrating it. We're shy about living it. And if I'm unwilling to demonstrate, if I'm unwilling to, to act on it, what I say I believe, I really, when it comes down to it, don't believe it. I want you to think about that. I do what I believe. I live out what I believe. Now that's, like I said, that's tough. When you may be thinking, well, Nelson, we shouldn't try God. We shouldn't be presumptuous. You know, we shouldn't test the Lord. Well, listen to me. If God has promised us, if He's given it to us as a promise, it's ours. All right? One person believes that. All right? I got proof that that's true. All right? This is not what I say. This is what God says. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord. But the things revealed belong to us. And listen, to the promise is not just to us, but to our children forever. If God has promised it, if He has verbally said it, or written it, or if you want to argue technically, I've, I've been around theologians, so I understand how the minds think. Listen, if God has communicated it, written, verbal, in a dream, or whatever, He's given a promise. Folks, it's public access. It's ours. All right? Forever. See, not only that, but, but all the promises of God have come true in Jesus Christ. That's what 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For as many as may be the promises of God in Him, in Christ, they are yes. Did you hear that? They are yes. They are amen. That's what the old King James says. They are amen. Amen means so be it. They're not maybe. They're not no. They're yes and amen. Wherefore, also by Him, by Christ, is our amen to the glory of God through us. The secret to living supernaturally, folks, is putting all of our faith in God's promises. Okay? Faith comes as a result of trusting God. And most Christians don't really trust God. Faith is not something you and I work on. Okay? Faith is a gift from God. And He expects us to use that faith to unwrap all the other gifts He gives us. But most of us haven't unwrapped that gift yet. We haven't played with it. Instead, it's, it's like that gift under the Christmas tree. This, this uh, Wednesday... When we, we gathered, uh, my family gathered at, at our home on, on, on Wednesday morning. We have breakfast, and then we, we sit down, and we, we pass out the gifts. And, man, it's just a, it's a rip-roaring, wonderful time. And uh, there was one gift, though, that didn't get passed out. My granddaughter could not stand it. It was killing her. Whose is this, Papa? Whose is this, Papa? I said, well, whose name's that? Well, it doesn't have a name. I thought, well, you know. Well, it was just a gift Kathy put under the tree in case somebody showed up that we wasn't expecting, okay? You, you got to cover all the bases. But faith is like that gift left under the Christmas tree. 
God has given us promise after promise after promise. And we've not unwrapped them. We've not ripped into them. Well, you know, I just don't. If God said it, it's true. Whether you and I believe it or not, it's true. Folks, Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is the assurance. That word assurance can mean substance of things hoped for. And the conviction or the evidence of things not seen. These things that that we hope for, they're not what we want. I want you to understand, he's not saying here that that you can have faith in anything and get it. That's not what what Paul's saying here. He's saying saying these things that that are hoped for are the promises. If you read the book of, of, of Hebrews, it all goes together. See, we pick and choose verses, and we build theologies on verses that we've picked here and picked here and put them together, and it means that. That's not what Scripture... That's not how it works. You have to take Scripture as a whole. It's a, it's a continuing revelation. And the book of Hebrews is, is Paul's... Well, that's who I believe wrote it. He's arguing a point. He's, he's sharing a point. And he gets to that place and, and he says that, Hey, now, after all of this, faith is the assurance. It's the, it's the substance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's, it, what he's saying is is that true faith is based on the promises that God has given us. They are the revealed promises found in the written Word of God. What God has promised, He will do. He's given us... That word assurance can also mean... How many of you know what a title deed is? You have a deed to your house. You have a title deed. Okay? That title deed gives you ownership of whatever's written in the legal definition. It means this is your title. This is yours. Okay? And so that's what that assurance means. And and then it says the proof or the conviction. Even though we don't don't see it yet. We, we, We can't hold it in our hands. See, a title deed suggests that we own something. And it's it's proof that we own it, even though I don't have it in my hands necessarily. Faith, folks, is making the journey to see it and to claim it. What if, now let's just, let's, just, let's just dream big here, okay? What if someone came to your house tomorrow, your home, knocked on your door, and they said, listen, I've got a title deed here in my hands for the property, for all the businesses, for all the property where the summit's located. Y'all know where the summit is. How many of you made a visit to the summit in the last few weeks? A few of you, they're honest. Everybody knows where the summit, summit is. It's prime real estate. Some of the, the biggest uh, retail places, money-making outfits are located. And somebody says, hey, I have a title deed for you. This is yours. It has your name on it. How many of you would slam the door in their face? You'd take the title deed, Okay. Now, what would you do with it? Would you go and put it in your safety deposit box and go on about life? You might. I would go over to the summit. And I wouldn't stop on the interstate and look up there at it and go, yeah, that's mine. I'd go door to door and give them the address where to mail the check to every month. 
Okay? Seriously, I'm, I'm not kidding. This is my store. You need to mail the check to this address. This is mine. I'd walk on it. Folks, I dare say I would roll around on my back all over it. Okay? Y'all think, I'm just, I'm just trying to, I mean, I'm not just rich anymore. I'm beyond rich. I own a share of every dime everybody spends up there plus the property value. Y'all understand what I'm saying? That's what a title deed gives you. But here's what's happened. Most of us have gotten off on the exit, stood on our tiptoes, looked at the landscaping on the side of that bluff that surrounds the summit, and we drove on. Or we've come the other way, and we stopped and looked and saw the corner of it, and we went on. Folks, that's where most of us are living in our, in our relationship with Jesus Christ. we got a title deed but we have never walked out in the land. We've just come to the border, put one foot in, said, hey, man, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to enjoy this one of these days when God says you can enjoy it right now. See, a lot of us are going to get to heaven and realize we missed most of our inheritance because we didn't live it out where we were supposed to live it out. I know that's going to throw a kink in your heaven theology, but that's reality. Some of the things God has for us are now. If we don't learn to live them out now, we're not going to get to live them out in eternity. I've got to go on. The problem is we're settling for less than God has promised. We've put one foot in the land, and we've settled. We've built a house. We're, we're saved. We're going to heaven, and that's enough for me. Okay? I praise God for salvation. Okay? I, I, I thank Him every day that I am not headed for hell. But that's the beginning of His promise for us. So I want more. You know, you, you might say, well, Nelson, you're greedy. Well, if you don't want yours, I'll take yours too. Except God won't give me yours. He's given me more than I can walk out in a lifetime. See, God has blessed us. And, and we stop at the exit at the bottom of the hill and we refuse to explore the lengths and the depths of God's promises. And folks, you can call it whatever you want to call it, but it's faithlessness. It's unbelief. It's wavering. This church was planted to explore the frontier of God's promises. Okay? Not to settle for having church services. I want you all to hear my heart here, okay? Do I want this place to be filled? Yes, I do. But a crowd's not enough. Do I want us to have get the warm fuzzies? Yes, if the Holy Spirit creates them, but that's not enough. Do I want to hear sermons preached? Not really, because I don't think I'm that good a preacher, and it's not about sermons, okay? This church was planted so that we could learn to walk in faith, so that we could learn to pray in faith, so that we could learn to live in a faith that's into a life that's saturated with faith. Folks, it's not enough to talk about faith. It's not enough to study faith. I can give you definitions of what it is, what it's not. At some point, we have to take a step out in faith. And too many of us want to see it before we'll believe it. And that's not how the promises of God work. God says you will believe it, and then you will see it. That's why most of us are not seeing anything, because we're not believing it. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith, 
not sight. We're not supposed to see to believe. We're supposed to believe so that we might see. Folks, God is calling us to be a supernatural church. And by that, I mean not a church necessarily marked by miracles and manifestations, but by a church that's marked by faith in God's promises. Now, listen to me. If we live out our faith, if we start to do what I'm talking about, we will see miracles. We will see manifestations. They're just byproducts of faith. They're not the end-all, be-all, okay? It's the relationship with Jesus that our faith will lead us into deeper and deeper and deeper, and God just begins to pour out. He just begins to pour out more grace. Folks, either we'll believe the promises of God are true and act on them, or we will doubt them. And we'll be afraid of what if. What if that happens? Or what, what will take place if that happens? Folks, we can't worry about what is. We have to worry about what is. And if God has given us a promise, we can walk in it. We can't just huddle and wait. Folks, fear paralyzes. And when you get paralyzed, guess what happens? You can't get what you need. Faith revitalizes. It revitalizes. Fear and faith cannot exist in the same place. When fear reigns, faith doesn't exist. But when faith reigns, fear flees. It runs. It leaves. Now, I can teach you about the promises of God. We can study them. We can say we believe them. But until we start to step out in them, until we start to exercise them and to go after God, folks, we have an exercise, supernatural faith. Hebrews eleven six says, And without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is. Okay, I want you to listen to this verse. We quote this verse willy-nilly. This verse really says something. We have to believe that He is, and He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. Folks, faith... That kind of faith, that's the real deal. The real deal believes that God is who He says He is and can do what He says He can do. It doesn't stop there. Okay? That's not faith, just to believe God is who He says He is and can do what He says He can do. To get the reward, we have to pursue what He said. And and real faith is believing God can do what He said He can do. He is who He He says He is. And then acts. It acts. It acts on that belief, and faith begins to grow. And the more I take steps, the more it grows. And folks, it's not just enough to believe that He can do what He says He can do. He is who He says He is. The demons believe that. Okay? If we don't act, we don't exercise, and we don't exert any faith. We don't exert any confidence. If we refuse to take God's promises at face value and declare on this I will stand, and it doesn't matter what comes this way, I'm going to trust God in this, then we don't have faith. We might have what a pseudo-faith, a false faith, but we don't have biblical faith. You know, halfway faith can't get you anywhere. Okay? There comes a moment in everybody's life where they have to choose to be an explorer or a settler. 
okay? Let me say that again. There, there's a place in everybody's life where we choose to be explorers or settlers. And, and a settler is somebody who wants to build a building to keep them safe, okay? A, a settler is somebody who wants to put up fences to keep what's out there from getting in here and what's in here from getting back out there. That's what settlers do. You, you just look at our history. We, we, instead of just spreading out, we, we grouped in little communities and towns. And, 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 but there was a handful of people that just kept pushing. They just kept pushing. Explorers push the boundaries of what's known, what's safe, what's accepted. Folks, an explorer hungers to see what's around the next curve and over the next hill. It doesn't take any faith to be a settler. But if we step out and we put our faith in action, God will pour himself out on us. Explorers are willing to endure hardships. They're willing to endure ridicule. They're willing to go it alone sometimes because everybody else thinks they're nuts. Oh, that's one of those... They go to Nelson's church. He's, yeah, he's a little nutty. I hear it. It's okay. I don't really care. Folks, God is looking for some explorers this morning, some men and women who will exercise their faith and just push deeper into his promises. Explorers who, who won't settle, but who are willing to seek God until the reward comes. Folks, explorers are not satisfied with just doing church. Okay? This can't, church can't grow if it's filled with settlers. Because settlers settle for what is. Explorers push for what God has. Y'all realize God's mercies are new every day? In other words, His kids are not supposed to eat leftovers. You don't think so? You, you think I'm kidding you there? Look at the manna story. You're supposed to gather it new every day, except on the Sabbath when you rest in your worship. I'm giving you new every day, fresh. Folks, Settlers settle for what is. And very often, that's less than God's best. Listen to me. I'm not talking about a miracle a minute carnival sideshow. Y'all know my heart, okay? I am not afraid of the supernatural. I'm not afraid of manifestations of God. But I'm not talking about some circus show. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. What I'm talking about is not jumping off cliffs and flapping your wings or doing bizarre things. I'm just talking about stepping out of your comfort zone and believing God and taking Him at His word. Folks, God has promised to pour out His gifts on the body of Christ. In fact, He has poured them out. The promise has been fulfilled. We have the gifts. All right? Well, I don't know mine. Well, you hadn't unwrapped with faith anything well it's kind of hard well it's kind of the truth okay this community 
and the communities that surround it don't need another repackaged version of church. All right? There's enough churches here that have great programs. And I, and I don't in any way mean to diminish any church. There are great preachers in this city. There are great programs in this city. There are, there are churches that can minister and serve. They don't need church repackaged. They need an example of what it means to walk in supernatural faith, to trust God no matter what, even, listen to me, if He does not answer the prayer we pray. If we're just going to be like everybody else, then we need to break up and go back to those places. But God hasn't called us to be like everybody else. Folks, He's He didn't choose to change the world through programs, personalities, and preachers. He chose to choose the He, he chose to change the world through people who walk in faith. If we're not willing to live in supernatural faith, folks, we're not going to change the world. Now I want to get real practical for just a minute, and then we're going to we're going to be done. Some of you this morning, you hear God speak clearly. You know it's His voice, and what He speaks is prophetic. Okay, that means you have heard God speak. He's given you a message to give to somebody. Because it'll change their life. But you're so afraid you're, you'll mess it up or you're paralyzed with insecurity or fear that you, you, you wouldn't speak it if you heard God say it out loud to you. Folks, it's not a problem of self-confidence. It's a problem of faith. Some of you, get words of knowledge and get words of wisdom. They just pop into your head. And you, you know the solution that this person needs or this situation in the body needs. or, or you, you know the answer. It's, it's there. God just, I just think I'll give that to that sister or that brother. But you know what? You shrug them off. And you refuse to believe that, that God can use you and you refuse to put your confidence in him and you, and, and you refuse to forget about yourself. It's, it's not that you can't do it. It's because you're selfish. Say, so, boy, this is kind of tough, Nelson. Well, I've applied it to me, okay? God's given some of you specific things to do. You, I mean, if, if, you, if I could pin you down... And make you tell me, which I can't, and I'm not going to. You could tell me in just a few words. You, when I ask you, you go, ah, well, I, you know, I, yeah. it, because you don't really want to say it. But you know. You know because God's given it to you. But you hesitate because you can't believe God would use you. You, you don't think you're worthy. Listen to me. Let me just dispel some notion. None of us are worthy. None of us. I am certainly not worthy to stand up here and tell you anything. Okay? It has nothing to do with my worth. It has to do with Jesus. And this is what he called me to do. And he's called you to do things. Some of you, 
are so tangled up in the bondage of religion. I mean, you're, you're just chained up in, in stuff that, that came out of denominations rather than the Bible. And, and, and you're just, I mean, you're just, you're like, you're like, you know, somebody who's got chains all around them. And you're terrified because you've had bad experiences in the past. You, you, you've been you've, you've been told that you know there's no way, and so you know, what happens is instead of doing what God's called you to do, you don't do anything. Listen to me, the gifts and the callings are irrevocable. That's what Scripture says. Well, I didn't do God called me to do this when I was sixteen. Well, guess what? He's still calling you to do it. Yeah, but I can't do it this way. Yeah, but you can do it His way. That's a word for somebody. You can do it His way. Your way may not have been what He called you to do. His way is what He's called you. Some of you have a calling to do something, and somebody told you there's no way God's called you to do that, and you believed them. Listen to me. The devil is a liar, and he will use people close to you. But if God said it, he cannot lie. So if He's called you, do it. Some of you are just terrified. You're just scared to death. When I talk about stuff like this, you just you go deep inside and you just, oh, I'll be glad when this is over. Some of you are just terrified. You're terrified of everything that moves. You're living a, a terrified life. You're terrified of what somebody might say, what somebody might think, what happened in the past, what may happen in the future, that I might fail, that I might make a mistake. If you make a mistake and you fail, you know what? Dust yourself off, get up, and go at it again. All of us mess up. And then I'm going to say this. Okay, I didn't put this in my notes, but God's given me this. And some of you are just lazy. Okay, and you're willing to let somebody else do what God's called you to do. Folks, explorers exert their faith by taking one more step than the settlers. They take one more step. You know who wins the war? The person who holds out the longest. Folks, I've done the church thing. I've been involved in small church medium-sized church, and mega-church. If we're going to do the church thing, I'm going to the house, okay? Because there is no such thing as the church thing. The church is not a thing. It's not something we do. It's who we are. We're a body. That's what Scripture says. The church is the body of Jesus Christ, which means we have to be connected to the head. Anything without a head is dead. Okay? And that's why so many churches are floundering. They've gotten disconnected. The, the, the Lord, their body has got decapitated from the, from the head. They've stopped following. They've stopped walking in faith. They've start, stopped. They didn't want to go out there where God wanted them to go. They didn't want to step out there into the unknown. They liked it here, and so they settled. And they're doing church. Folks, I'm not doing church anymore. All right? If you want to know where we're going for 2014, this is where we're going. 
Four lane, eight cylinders, ever how many cylinders we got. We're, if we got four, we're going with all four, all that. This is where we're going, okay? We're going to walk here. Folks, a supernatural faith is living out your faith by reaching for the fulfillment of God's promises. If I just put this sermon in a sentence, that's what it is. A supernatural faith is, 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 is a lifestyle is living out your faith by reaching for the fulfillment of God's promises. God has called every one of us to pursue Him by faith, to explore every square inch of what He has given us. My father gave me, I don't know, 35 or so acres. I know every inch of it. I've walked all over it. Okay? It's mine. I grew up on it. I rolled around in the mud of it. I climbed the trees on it. I ran through it. I camped out in it. I worked it. It's mine. Folks, God has given us endless acreage. And all he says is explore it. Explore it. Push out and walk in it. Folks, he's called us to walk in power, but but we're not going to walk until we learn to crawl a little bit, Okay? He's called us to run and not grow weary. But you don't grow weary, you don't run without getting weary unless there's a little endurance. Okay? He's, he says that you're going to mount up with eagle's wings. In other words, you're going to fly. But you know what? You're never going to fly unless you flap your wings a few times. All right? Birds that don't flap their wings never fly. See, they have to, they have to act. And if we get to where God is calling us. Folks, we have to step out in faith. I'm going to say this again. Where does it come from? It's not something we work up. It's something God gives us. Romans chapter 10 says this. Faith. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. I have to know the promises to step out in the promises. If God says... In this case, it's God the Son. He says, and you will do the things I have done and even greater things. If I don't know that promise, I'll never do those things. I don't believe that promise, I'll never do those things. The difference between settlers and explorers is explorers act and they pursue what they've heard. Settlers build monuments, they build museums, and they build shrines, and they stick plaques on everything. Okay? They settle. Because they've heard it and they think that this is it. This is what James says in James one twenty two, but prove yourselves to be doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. You see, settlers hear, but they never become doers. Explorers hear, but they act. True faith comes from God and it believes that God is who He says He is, that He can do what He says He can do, and then pursues that promise and the promises God has given with all their heart. Folks, we need some people with faith in this place. Okay? This church needs some people who have heard the promises of God who are willing to stand up and go after them. We need some people who will stand up and, and cry out. I mean, it's okay to say this right here. It's, it's, it's the man that Jesus ministered to, and he said this, Lord, I do believe. Help my unbelief. 
You say, well, I'm struggling. Well, just say, God, I believe. I believe you are who you say you are. I believe you can do what you said you can do. Help the unbelief that's in me and take a step. Worry about the next step after you take the first step. Yeah, but this, don't worry about what might happen or what could happen. God is in control. If He's called you to walk out there, guess what? He's already there. And He will walk every step with you. One of the things I learned in ministry, and i got to stop, I could go on and on, but, but when I, God first called me into ministry, I was terrified. I ran for, for 12 years as hard as my little legs would carry me. Nobody knew it but me. But I remember the, 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 the day I decided, okay, God, I give up. I can't run anymore. And God gave me a word. He said, Nelson, I have equipped you, I have called you, and I will go with you. And I stepped out there. And you know what? There have been times when I couldn't see the bottom. And there was no safety net. And there have been other times when, man, I knew God had me in this. I was just like this. I didn't have to worry a bit. But there's been a lot of times, especially the last four or five years, where, you know what, it's just skate right out there in the dark. I don't know how thick the ice is. I don't even know if there's any ice out there. And I can hear God, but it's still faint because I'm not as close as I need to get. It's not, I'm not as where exactly I need to get, so I've got to keep skating, even though I don't know what's out there. He said, well, I don't want to live like that. Then you don't want to be a believer. You don't want to be a Christian because that's the life of Christ. It's not a nice, neat little box. I'm going to heaven and everything will be all right. I've I got to read this, okay? I don't need to, but i got to. This is not on the screen. We're all used to the, the first part of Hebrews 11. It's the, it's the chapter of faith. Now faith is, and Abraham by faith, and, and Noah by faith, and, and, and Isaac, and Jacob, and uh, uh, Sarah, and all these people by faith. And, and on and on and on. And this fell down, and that fell over, and this child was born. But at the end of the chapter, listen to this. There were some who conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of the fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Yes, God, if that's what you're calling me to do. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Yes, God, that's what I want. Don't you listen to this. And others were tortured not accepting their release in order that they might obtain a better re resurrection. And others were experienced mockings, scourgings. Yes, they also changed and imprisoned. They were stoned. They were sown in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskin and goatskin, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men and women of whom the world was not worthy, wandered in deserts, mountains and caves, and holes in the ground. Okay? See, faith doesn't mean it's all going to work out like we think it's going to work out. But if I'm afraid of that stuff, I'll never step out. I'll never see armies conquered. I'll never see the dead resurrected. I'll never see the sick healed. I have to take a step and just believe the promise of God is true. And I'm going to walk in this. Folks, 
We need some people who will start to live supernaturally. We've got to experience it. We've got to act. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads.